You're probably familiar with Sawyer as the maker of everyone's favorite water filter, the Sawyer Squeeze. But did you know that they also make a picaridin-based insect repellent? Why is this important? Have I mentioned that turning 50 comes with some kickers? One of which is a new allergy to DEET, which I discovered while in the Philippines. Picaridin saved my life. Sawyer makes a 20% picaridin repellent that is as effective at repelling mosquitoes, flies, gnats, chiggers, and ticks as 100% DEET, but won't damage plastics or synthetic coatings. Because it's derived from pepper plants, it's family-friendly and safe for 50-year-olds with allergies. You're getting protection from Zika, West Nile virus, dengue and yellow fever, and probably most importantly, Lyme disease. And for more protection, you can add Sawyer's permethrin spray to your gear and clothing, which will also help repel and kill the little boogers. Look, I listen to your tortured insect stories from the trails. I don't know about you, but when we all can finally leave our houses again, I want to be as protected as possible and ready for some adventure. I, I started to do it, and then I kind of swung my pack and almost like lost my balance. And I was like, whoa, if I swing my pack backward and lose my balance, I'm going to fall. <laughs> and that's not going to be a good situation. I'll probably have to get a helicopter to take me out of this. So um, I was like, how am I going to do this? So I, I stopped again. And I was just trying to gain the courage again. And so, you know, my, my trail family was really, like, encouraging me. So I finally did it. I just went really, really slow. And I got a good hand. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan. Feeling a little like I'm listening to an episode from an alternate universe where the trail is still open. And this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Cheer, known off trail as Carol Coyne. She has 267 miles left to complete her through hike of the PCT. Many things factored into her decision to leave trail. And in this episode, we talk about the whys. How asking yourself the tough questions and being clear about what's most important to you helps when you're facing the moment your hike could be over. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Cheer. So welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've uh, you've done all the hard work to be here. Yeah. Through hiking is definitely hard work, but it's a double-edged sword. It's great, but it's also tough sometimes. Tough sometimes, for sure. Yeah. And it seems like you finished off with a bang, so to speak. Yeah, you know, um, I, I guess we can kind of go through that because I have I have 
267 more miles to go, which I'll be completing this year. And as you probably know, I'm sure you talked to a bunch of hikers in the class of 2019, (laughs) but it was kind of a crazy year um, with the snow and the rain and the cold. So um, yeah, I don't know if if that's, if you have specific questions for me, if you, or if you want to go through kind of the progression of what I went through, but I can certainly kind of explain uh, what happened with that? Because I definitely did flip, um, like a lot of other people did. And, and I've talked to people who've done both things. Okay. Your your scenario was a little different because you did try. You you kind of went yeah. in and then went, oh uh, yeah, no. Right. Yeah, we can definitely go through that. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I. Is that okay if we go through yeah. kind of the progression and then if you have questions please jump in. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. The a whole point of this, uh, or the podcast, I should say, not necessarily yeah. specifically this conversation is to talk about whatever through hiking. So okay, great. go in as much detail as you want, because it's all exciting and interesting to me. So awesome. I love that. Because some people, you know, when I got back from the trail, and we can go over all that as well, because post trail depression is a big thing. Yeah. But you know, I'd come back and I'd talk to my friends, some who followed me and some who really didn't follow me while I was on the trail would be like, how was it? And then it was kind of like a dot, dot, dot. And I didn't even know how to answer that question. <laughs> so it's great to, to talk with, you know, somebody like you and, um, you know, to, to have listeners like the listeners, listeners that you have, because they kind of like are really into it. So I'm going to totally geek out with you. <laughs> right exactly. Now. We're, we're um, uh, again, I'm not sure the definition between nerd and geek, but whatever it yeah. is, I'm both, I guess. I think I am too. I'm not sure where the line is drawn there, but I probably am the same as you. <laughs> um, okay. So, so geek, I let's geek out. Let's geek out together. I love it. Um, so I started, I did a northbound hike and I started in April, April 14th to be exact, uh, in Campo hiked all the way to Kennedy Meadows. And the weather in the desert was really unexpected. I thought it was going to be, you know, you think of weather in Southern California in the desert, you think it's going to be hot, right? And there were certainly days where it was, it definitely was. And luckily I had an umbrella. So that kind of really helped out um, (laughs) with that situation. I'm very fair skinned. So I would have been like toast if I didn't have my (laughs) umbrella. But anyway, um, there were the hot days, but there were also so many days that were cold and windy and freezing, especially, um, near the LA aqueduct, surprisingly enough, that's, um, known to be really hot stretch because there's not very many trees and not a ton of water, even though the aqueduct is right there. (laughs) So it was really, really cold through that section. So yeah, the trail really had me guessing all the way up, (laughs) but anyway, yeah, a lot of unexpected things happened while I was in the desert and, um, like while I was uh, like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, just rain and just out. And I guess I should mention my worst day on trail was in the desert right before getting into Tehachapi. So um, I camped just after the aqueduct and the wind, I think there were gusts like 60 miles an hour all through the night. And <laughs> um, I thought, so I, I have a freestanding tent, a big Agnes freestanding mm-hmm. tent. And so it's pretty pretty solid but um I thought it was done it was going to be done after that night because I was laying down like I finally set up my sleep my um sleep system and my tent and everything and my tent 
was bending so much under the wind that it was like touching my face all night, just kind of bending (laughs) up and down. So I was like, wow, I don't know if I think I might have to get a new tent after this, but luckily I don't know how, but somehow. Big Agnes. (laughs) Right. Go big Agnes. They're great. (laughs) Um, So I I can definitely attest to that piece of gear. (laughs) Um, Were you camping with any other people around you? You know, I was. um, And if you're a PCT hiker, you will soon find out if you're going northbound that the desert's a party. So meaning (laughs) you will hardly, you have to try, you have to try to camp alone. Um, If you start, I started in April. So if you start in March or April, that's when um, usually northbounders start. Mm -hmm. So um, if you start in that timeframe, you're you're probably not going to be alone when you're camping Um, because there's usually set places where um, people camp. So yeah, I normally did not camp alone and I did, I did have a kind of a pseudo trail family at that point. I was hiking around the same hikers and eventually we just kind of banded together. Um, And we can talk about trail families too, if you want my experience with that. So I was, I was um, with, with people. Um, but sometimes I hike alone too. It was very like a, f- a very fluid, I guess, fluid relationship with the people that I was hiking around. So we kind of do our own thing sometimes, hike alone. Sometimes we camp alone, but then other times we would camp together. Most Mostly we'd be together though, because mm-hmm. we enjoyed each other's company. So yeah, I, um, so even though I was camping, going back to the worst, my worst uh, day on trail, I was camping with um, one other member from my trail family. And then there were a bunch of other people camping around us. And since I didn't get really any sleep that night, um, cause my tent was just bending and bending and it was noisy. There was dirt, even though I had my rain fly set up, there was like dirt all over my, the inside of my tent and everything. So I just couldn't sleep. <laughs> so I ended up getting up, um, really early. Cause I was like, what's the point? I might as well hike. I had a 20 mile hike into, into Tehachapi that day. So I was like, I'm just going to get up and go, even if it's by myself, cause I just can't stand this anymore. So I got up, packed up, started hiking and the wind was continuous all day long. So I think I was hiking for about eight, eight hours that day. And it was just relentless. And it even, the wind even knocked me down a couple of times. Like I fell to the ground. <laughs> Was it because it was a, became a side wind or something, or was it literally just? I don't know. It was just like gusts. There, wow. there was a continuous, I'd say continuous, maybe like 40 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. And then there were gusts of like 50 to 60. And um, I think when I fell down those couple times, I, I didn't have good footing and the wind just like brought me down. Yeah. So I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so it was just kind of like an unbelievable day, but looking back on it, it's kind of funny. But just to get through it, I like, I didn't list up to that point. I didn't listen to music on trail, um, but I had my earbuds with me. So I was like, you know what? I am not in a healthy state of mind right now. <laughs> um, so I'm going to listen to some music for the first time on trail. So I like put one of my earbuds in and just like a blast of music. <laughs> so that really helped me um, get through kind of a tough day. But I didn't see anybody all day that day. Um, actually, I take that back. I saw one person in front of me, but I couldn't catch up to him. So I was like alone all day long. Nobody to be seen. I took maybe like a five-minute lunch. <laughs> and I didn't really stop. I just kept hiking because I wanted to get into Tehachapi and go somewhere to like stay. Right. To so, get out of the wind. Um, get out of the freaking wind. Yeah. I didn't realize how like... 
I don't know. I thought rain was bad, but wind, in my opinion, is way worse after that experience. Now I know, in my opinion. <laughs> it was, well, it's funny that you say that because I'm literally in the process of editing the episode for this that I'm going to drop this week. And he is, yeah. he, I remember now the conversation, he's talking about the wind too. And he's like, after doing that in the wind, he's like, I understand the desert people and how they're a little crazy. <laughs> I know. I get it too. That's a good point. Yeah. I, even after two days, I'd say one and a half days of intense wind and it just does not stop. I was going a little crazy myself. Like I was singing at the top of my lungs sometimes because <laughs> I just like, and I don't normally do that, but I just didn't know what else to do. <laughs> so I think I went, I agree. I think I went a little crazy myself. I can't imagine having to deal with that, you know, day in and day out for a week or whatever. Yeah. So let alone months um, and then years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why there are a bunch of wind turbines over there though. So it must, it must kind of be a norm for that area. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after that, every, every time I saw wind turbines, I get in a really bad mood. I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> all along the trail, like there are wind turbine areas. And every time I saw it after that, I was like, Oh shoot. Like, am I going to relive this again? Um, but luckily, luckily it was only, you know, one and a half days where it was really bad, but that was definitely my worst day on trail. And I ended up, I don't normally hitchhike alone, but I ended up hitchhiking alone that day. Cause I was done. I was so done. So anyway, yeah, that was the worst day on trail, but definitely unexpected for that stretch. A lot of people going near like the LA aqueduct hiking through that area, they hike at night because it's usually so hot in the daytime, but it was, the weather was actually really nice up until um, a certain point, And then it got really windy. So um, we were lucky in the sense that it wasn't, you know, boiling hot, but we got the other, the other end where it was cold and windy. So yeah, that was my worst day on trail, but there were so many amazing days on trail too. So I don't, I don't want to scare anybody, but <laughs> I can talk about my best days on trail as well. Um, but um, I guess I'll keep progressing. So went through the desert, it was kind of cold, kind of snowy, kind of rainy, but that's fine. I was, I was pretty prepared, prepared, I'd say, um, as far as gear went. And you knew that you were getting into, I mean, like what you were going to get into based on how the weather had been last year, correct? Uh, yeah. You're talking 2019, right? Yeah. 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 Yes. So I did, um, at a certain point about when I was getting into Tehachapi actually, which was the end of kind of, let's see, the end of May, um, there was a big snowstorm happening in the Sierra. And so that's what everybody was talking about was, what are you going to do about the Sierra? What are you going to do about the Sierra? So I stayed in Tehachapi for um, four days to wait out the storm because there were, um, it was kind of stormy in Tehachapi as well as the Sierra. Mm -hmm. So um, it was really rainy, really cold, really windy, like I was telling you. So um, I ended up staying there for four days to kind of have a game plan because I didn't really know if I was going to go into the Sierra or not at that point, but everybody was talking about it because <laughs> there was like, Oh, you know, this week long epic snowstorm in the Sierra really late in the season. And yeah, we were hearing horror stories about the people who were in the Sierra at that time, you know, people getting frostbite and all that good stuff. So um, I was a little worried. Um, and I was hiking um, at the time with a couple people um, in my, my trail family. And, um, they were, they were kind of worried too. So we we're just like, you know what, let's just stay in Tehachapi, wait out this storm and then, um, you know, figure out what, maybe what we might do. So. No, Tehachapi is how far from the entrance into the Sierras? 
Yeah. So the entrance into the Sierra technically is um, Kennedy Meadows South. And so So Tehachapi is, let me me think about this. I'm trying to remember back. So Um, Kennedy Meadows is considered mile 700. So Tehachapi Yeah, like 702. Tehachapi, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think about this. Um, Tehachapi might be close to, I think that was the stretch before the Sierra. Now I'm totally drawing a blank. Maybe mile 600 something. Um, Maybe check my facts on that because I'm trying to remember back. (laughs) But yeah, it was pretty, like I I knew I kind of had to figure out where my mind was at as far as am I going to enter the Sierra or am I not? Um, So I did a lot of research with my trail family about like, okay, um, you know, what passes are we going to have to go over? And um, one of my good friends now, trail family members, uh, Calzone, uh, made this like uh, artistic map of all of the passes we'd have to go over <laughs> in the Sierra just to kind of get an idea of what we were in for. And like, would we do a pass a day or, you know, what, what would, what would we do? And then all the river crossings as well, or at least the big ones. So got a little bit more acquainted with the Sierra section. And it was good that we kind of looked forward because when, at least when I was on trail, I was just going step by step, day by day. I wasn't really looking at what was way ahead of me. I was just kind of going one day at a time. And so this kind of forced us to think about a little bit further into the future. <laughs> so it was good we had that time in Tehachapi. So we set out after our <laughs> kind of long break. And um, something I should mention too is I noticed my body, like when I when I would take long a longer break than a day off trail, my body would freak out once I got back on trail. What do you <laughs> so mean by freak out? I'd be kind of like, well, for me, I would be kind of like limping, and my body would be aching more than it normally did because when you're through hiking, your body kind of hurts like all the time. But this is a a different kind of hurt, I guess you could say. I, I'd have weird pains that I normally wouldn't have. Like my knee would start hurting for some reason. So I don't know if other through hikers deal with that, but I know uh, me and my my trail family member Calzone definitely dealt with that. And we took four days off in Tehachapi, so it was a little bit rough starting out. But you know, after a day, it's, it's usually fine. But if that's just kind of something funny that I noticed about taking more time off in town. <laughs> my body would just, my body was so used to going, going, going 20 miles a day or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, 25 miles a day. And then all of a sudden, zero, 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 zero for four days in a row. It, it was, I don't know. I think my body was a little bit in shock in a weird way. Was your body sore or swollen or, or anything like that while you were in town or it just sort of started to happen once you got back on the trail again and started pushing it? Yeah, it started when I got back on trail, but that was only after, you know, multiple days. If I just took like one zero in town, which is what I normally would do, my body would be okay. But if it was like anything more than one zero, you know, I would take maybe two days off or whatever. Then once I got back on trail, you know, weird things started happening. So nothing like, I didn't have any like swelling, but just weird pain. So for me, it was like a weird knee pain or weird hip pain. And I'd be limping a little bit, but after a day, it was usually fine. Um, but yeah, I was, that was just something really weird that I noticed <laughs> that I didn't huh. expect to happen. I thought, I thought it would be the opposite. I yeah. thought, Oh, I'm giving my body rest. So it's going to be like ready to go after four days, but no, it was the opposite. <laughs> so your, your body was, uh, your body was protesting. We want to stay in town. Right. Yeah, exactly. Go back. 
go back and rest some more. <laughs> but no, couldn't do that. <laughs> so yeah, that was just something funny I noticed. But anyway, so made my way to Kennedy Meadows South. And um, that's when I decided officially what I was going to do. So I had met somebody in the desert section. His name's Kool-Aid. His trail name's Kool-Aid. And um, I decided I wanted to go in with him. And um, some of my trail families came as trail family members came as well um, because he really knew snow travel. Um, and he used to be a white, white water. Oh my gosh. This is like a tongue twister, a white water river rafting guide. Um, and so he was an expert at reading rivers. So, um, I knew river crossing. A lot of people were talking about river crossing. Yeah. Um, and that's the most dangerous, you know, thing you can do technically on the PCT um, because of crazy conditions. So I, I decided then that I wanted to go into the Sierra because I had people who were, um, experienced. And if I didn't, if I didn't have him in my group, I think I would have flipped at that point. Um, because I, you know, you have to make decisions every day when you're hiking a long trail, um, whether it's, oh, okay, my next water source is going to be here or, oh, here's where I'm going to camp tonight or here's where I'm going to go into town or, you know, all you have to make decisions all the time while you're hiking. And this was a really big decision based off of safety. And, um, you know, it depends on your com- comfort level. So some people just like were rock stars and they went through the Sierra and, um, you know, continuous footpath. And I love that idea, but I also wanted to be safe about it. You wanted to survive to tell the story? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you know, and it goes back to like, okay, what are you on the trail for personally? What are you here for? Are you here for a vacation? Are you here to honor a loved one who passed away? Are you here to support a cause? Like, what are you here for? Are you here to get over a divorce? Like, it could be so many things for so many people, something different. So for me, personally, I was on trail to enjoy. Um, I was on trail as a vacation. I was on trail to get a different perspective on life. So for me to power through the Sierra alone, wasn't uh, the best idea. Mm-hmm. Not for me. Um, but for some other people, it, it is a good idea. Right. And the continuous footpath thing, while it's, it would be great if you, if you could do it or whatever, wasn't a necessity for it to feel like a true through hike for you. Yes. Yeah. And the term through hike is so subjective. Um, totally. And you know, there's, there's a lot of judgment on trail about that. Um, I, I wanted to be non-judgmental, as non-judgmental as I could be. So it wasn't as important to me. And there's, I'm, I know you've, you and your listeners have heard this phrase, probably hike your own hike. So I really wanted to embody that um, because everybody's, everybody's different. Everybody has a different journey. Um, and mine wasn't necessarily to have a continuous path, but it was a great idea. It, I liked the idea of it if I could do it. And I didn't want right. fear mongers to stop me from doing it because there was a lot of fear out there. Um, people talking, people on the internet, <laughs> uh, you know, it could, it, if you listen to all those people, like it could get really scary and you could potentially miss an opportunity that um, maybe you didn't need to miss just out of fear. So I wanted to go into the Sierra if I could, if I was with somebody who knew what they were doing and who would be willing to show me the way, <laughs> I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. And so I ended up 
finding that person. Um, and I, I had met him multiple times before and we were hiking together sometimes. And I, I did consider him kind of like trail family member, um, even though we weren't hiking all together all the time. So yeah, we decided to go in together um, with a couple other people. And um, so on, what day was that? That was June 3rd, which was um, like a week after that big snowstorm um, in the Sierra, we went in and getting, getting used. I, I personally got crampons for this mm-hmm. endeavor because it made me feel a little bit safer. I had micro spikes as well, but I decided not to carry those. Cause I, I just thought crampons were a little bit um, safer for me. So I had crampons. Of course we had the ice axes and all that good stuff. Um, <laughs> so went in, uh, practiced using my crampons and all that. And um, did Forrester pass on June 14th. I love your description of Forrester Pass. Of, okay. Of, excuse me, of climbing <laughs> over Forrester Pass. Yes. Yeah, let's go through that. So um, <laughs> it was one of my favorite days on trail, but it was also one of the scariest days for me on trail. I, Out of my group, I was with six other people. I was the most freaked out because I was not expecting something that steep and sketchy on the PCT. And I don't mean to scare anybody (laughs) because everything was fine. Um, But you just have to take it one step at a time. So yeah, we, we had a little base camp going on um, the morning or well, the night before. And so it it was so so snowy in the Sierra at that point that we found after doing, I forgot what, um, what river that was or what Creek that was, but we, we crossed a Creek and then we set up camp on this little like dry patch in the middle of this amazing mountainous view with snow everywhere. So I didn't get the best sleep because it was kind of rocky, but we woke up at, I think, Oh my gosh, 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. to um, approach Forrester. And, um, you know, we were, we were hiking and when we saw it, like some of us were getting emotional and it was just so cool to see. And um, so we ended up hiking up there and then get in line to go across the chute. And I was, I was very nervous at that point because I saw people going across and then I saw my trail, member, trail family members going across and we all went slow and uh, it became, it was my turn at that point. And so I, I went and I decided to use like a trekking pole in one hand, like on the downward mm-hmm. side of the slope. And then I, of course, used my ice axe on the upward side. So um, slow going one step at a time. And I was like, okay, I can do this. But I was still kind of like freaking out. I did not look over the edge. It was kind of like straight down. Look down. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So just, I was just focusing, like looking down at my feet and making sure they were like planted before I would like move. So went, went across the chute and that was actually fine. But then there was a part that I was not expecting after the chute. And this might've been because there was so much snow in the area, but the, the only way to move forward was to go around this like boulder that was jutting out. And so was this literally just after the shoot or was it on the other side? Just after the shoot. Just okay. after the shoot. Yeah. So right after the shoot, there was this like boulder. And um, there was no other way to go around. If there wasn't as much snow, there might have been another way to go around. But there was just at this point, there was so much snow that there was only one way to go. So I had to get around this boulder. And I was like, I yelled to my trail family members who had already done it. I was like, you guys, what do I do here? <laughs> 
And so um, Calzone and Kool-Aid, they were telling me to kind of like, I don't know if you know ballet, but first position in ballet, you kind of put your feet um, in this specific way where they're, I don't even know how to describe it, but um, just kind of flat and your toes are pointing away from your body. And so Calzone was like, you have to go into, put your feet in first position, hug the boulder and like shimmy around it. And I just, I couldn't really picture it. Shimmy around this thing. And then all the while there's like a sheer drop behind you if you do this maneuver. So I was like, oh my God. So I had to like sit there for a second and just gained the courage to do this because I knew I started to try to do it, but my pack was on my back, of course. And my pack at that point in the Sierra was 40 pounds, fully packed. So I was just, I I started to do it. And then I kind of swung my pack and almost like lost my balance. And I was like, whoa, if I swing my pack backward and lose my balance, I'm going to (laughs) fall. And that's not going to be a good situation. I'll probably have to get a helicopter to take me out of this. So um, I was like, how am I going to do this? So I, I stopped again and I was just trying to gain the courage again. And so, you know, my, my trail family was really like encouraging me. So I finally did it. I just went really, really slow and I got a good handhold on like the top of the the boulder. Um, and so I ended up doing it, shimmied over and, um, once I got to the end of that area, I just like collapsed on the ground <laughs> or on the trail and was a little bit like, I couldn't believe what I just did. Cause it was, I don't normally do, do stuff like that. Like it was definitely an adrenaline rush and kind of risky, but, um, you know, I, I, I was proud that I did it, but I was also still like really scared. <laughs> um, but everybody imagine- ended up Going into yeah. a little bit of shock just because of the adrenaline that's going through your system. Yeah. And that was probably a big part of it. I was just like, I had to collapse and just like breathe for a second because I probably wasn't breathing the whole time. I'm breathing very shallowly. Um, if that's, is that a word? <laughs> breathing very shallow. So yeah, I just had to kind of like mentally and emotionally recover <laughs> before I went to the actual like top of Forester Pass. But yeah, so that was scary, but all of our everything was fine. All of our trail family members made it, um, and then we got to the top and celebrated, took some photos, um, and then by that time, the sun. The, so I guess let me take a step back. So when we <laughs> entered the Sierra, <laughs> just to give context to what I'm about to say. So when we entered the Sierra, it was after the snow, the snowstorm that I mentioned. Um, so there was a ton of snow, but then all of a sudden it went from winter to summer when we entered. So it actually was really warm during the day, but that means the snow gets soft very early in the morning or got soft very early in the morning. And a lot of the snow was melting, which means the rivers were very, very high. So at this point, when we got to the top of Forrester, it was really warm. And so on the way down from Forrester, we were post-holing, falling into the snow to like our hips. <laughs> um, and it was really tough. It was really tough. And it was pretty apparent that there was like avalanche danger where the trail normally was to go down, to descend from Forrester. So we had to sit at the top or near the top of Forrester to decide how we were going to go down because we didn't, of course, we didn't want to get caught in an avalanche or something. So we had lunch and kind of deliberated on how we were going to do this because we, we 
weren't really sure. There were there weren't very many options at that point. So what we decided to do was go down in a way where like nobody has gone down before. So it was like a side of the mountain that was in the shade for most of the day at that point, at least. So the snow was a little bit, a little bit harder. Uh, so we ended up going down a side of the mountain and we had to cut the tracks for it. So what we ended up doing was we um, traversed. So went kind of horizontal on the mountainside and then we glissaded. So we did a series, probably did that, like eight times to get down, which was really, really fun. But yeah, it was, it was a little um, scary at first because we didn't really know what to do. (laughs) Um, But once we decided to do it, we did it and um, everything was fine. So no avalanches or anything like that. But um, yeah, it was a little like a roller coaster of a day to say the least. There were a lot of highs and lows, but it did end up being one of my favorite days on trail. So yeah, we successfully, you know, went up Forrester, got down Forrester alive in those snowy conditions. And um, then the next, well, I guess the next big issue for us was the river crossings. And so up until that point, we we had okay river crossings. There wasn't anything too scary. All made it across the rivers all right. But I did talk to some people who, this one man in particular, who was hiking alone and fording rivers alone. And he told me (laughs) that he got swept away and he had to take like a couple hours to dry off his clothes. He built a fire. So um, that's something I would warn anybody who's going to do a long trail is don't, if you're, you have dangerous river crossings to do, wait for somebody to come. Um, Just so, you know, if something bad happens, at least they can use their Garmin device to call help or something. They can go Mm -hmm. get help because it's just really dangerous when you're doing that alone. So luckily I had a group that was with me at all times. So I didn't have to wait around for somebody (laughs) to cross the river. Now, did he start traveling with your group or with a group or was he still continuing on his own? And He, He was still continuing on his own. Yeah. He didn't ask to join us. If he did, we would have, of course, let him. But he, I think he... I think he was on his own journey, which is fine, which is totally, I mean, a lot of people do that and it's great, but this is just my opinion, I guess. But I think if, you know, if you're in the Sierra, there's a lot of snow melt, it's dangerous to cross rivers. Um, it, it's a good idea to wait for somebody just to be around when you cross. Yeah. And maybe you can help each other, you know? So yeah, he, he was, he went on by himself um, okay. at that point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we got to a point where we had to cross uh, Baxter Creek. And um, so we, every river crossing, we really deliberated because we wanted to be safe about um, where we crossed. So sometimes we would go up, you know, the the river for a mile, a river that we're crossing to see if there was like a safe place to cross. So we spent a lot of time just making sure we were making safe decisions. Um, So for Baxter Creek, of course, we took probably about an hour to decide where to cross. And we ended up deciding to cross the river um, in a place where there were two like offshoots. So the water wasn't as powerful. So the first offshoot we crossed was pretty shallow and easy to cross. But the second piece was um, pretty powerful, but it was a short distance. So we were like, okay, this is probably the best way to cross. And we ended up using a rope. And the reason why we used a rope to cross was because first, Kool-Aid was experienced at using rope 
Um, I don't think you're supposed to use a rope to cross um, unless you're experienced with it, because otherwise, if you get swept away and the rope goes around your neck, that's not a good situation. So, um, you know, luckily, I keep saying this, luckily, we had Kool-Aid in our group. So we used a rope to cross the last, um, more intense section of Baxter Creek. Um, And so one of our trail family members ended up falling in, um, which is very scary for her. But she had the rope, and then one of our trail family members was on the other side, um, so he gave her his hand, so he was able to pull her out, but she went in probably up to her neck and got swept a little bit. So it was good that we used the rope <laughs> in that situation, um, but it it really scared her, and it scared um, some of our members. So that was a point where we we're a little bit divided on if we wanted to, to keep pushing through this era or if we wanted to get out. So the next couple of days we kept hiking and we kept talking about it because we wanted to all make, you know, the right decision or the safest decision. So we had a couple heart to hearts with each other <laughs> during that time. Um, we went over multiple passes. The last pass we went over was Pincho pass. And I think all of us kind of felt the same way regarding river crossings where when we would hear a river in the distance, we knew we were going to have to cross it. (laughs) And um, I, to this day, actually, I get a little bit of anxiety when I hear a river because, you know, it became pretty like pretty scary because, you know, if you fall in, you don't, you don't really know what's going to happen. And even like there were some snow bridges that we crossed that, you know, crossing snow bridges are scary as well. Cause if, if they, they fall through or if you fall through you don't know you don't know what's going to happen so I think we all were a little anxious uh whenever we heard rushing water so a couple days after the Baxter Creek incident we decided we were going to get out of the Sierra and um maybe I'll go into this now as far as trail families are concerned so the trail family I was in I think was really great because we didn't have one like tyrannical leader. (laughs) Um, We all were very open to each other's ideas and we all talked about our opinions. And um, once we made a decision, we had to make sure everybody was agreed with the decision. So it was a really, um, I was really lucky to be in a trail family like that. So we all talked about what we wanted to do. And, um, I wanted to keep pushing and a couple other members wanted to keep pushing through. Um, but some of our other members wanted to get out. And so I had to make a decision at that point. What was more important to me was having a continuous footpath more important or was staying with the people that really made hiking the trail worthwhile more important. Um, because we became pretty close, I'd say. And so I made the decision and we actually, all of us made this decision to get out together because we knew at that point when we made that decision, there were other river crossings that we had to do. How far did you have left of the Sierras at that point? Any idea? Um, We had about 400 miles left in the Sierra section. So yeah, we still had a good chunk. (laughs) A few passes and a few rivers. No big deal. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a big decision to make because that was a big chunk that we would be um, skipping um, at that point. So we all decided to get out 
And um, we ended up going over this very obscure pass. And not a lot of people know about this pass. It's called Taboose, Taboose Pass. So we ended up getting out on Taboose Pass. So it's right in between um, Pincho Pass and Mather Pass. So it's we did Pincho Pass. It's, it's right off of the PCT. So there is okay. a little sign that says Taboose Pass, um, but not a lot of people take it. So we didn't want to go over Mather. So we decided to get out Taboose right before Mather Pass. So we, um, we took the Taboose Pass route and it was great up until right near the end. <laughs> <laughs> right Everything near the was end. wonderful until. I know. Until. So our exit point, right at the end, there was a, a river crossing and the river was going all the way down the trail, actually. So we, we crossed it a couple of times near the top of the pass. But when we were going down, as I said before, the snow was melting at a really rapid rate. So near the bottom of the pass, the snow melt accumulated to where it was really scary to cross. Um, so we got to the river crossing near the end and it was just rushing white water. And right after the crossing was a waterfall. <laughs> so we, it was really frustrating for all of us to decide to do this, but we ended up hiking back up the path, going <laughs> across the river when it wasn't so bad, and then hiking down Talus on the other side where there was no trail to get down to part of the trail that already like cuts off that crazy river crossing at the bottom. So we, we actually took a night to stay up on Taboose Pass, and then the next day we hiked down the Talus just so we were fresh because <laughs> by that time it was, it was getting late. We were tired. We were cranky. Um, <laughs> I, wonder so, why. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, so yeah, anyway, we camped and then the next day we hiked down the talus, which um, I, I guess I kind of enjoyed it in a way, but some of our members really hated it. So um, yeah, yeah, it, it was an adventure for sure. But uh, so after a while, we we got out of that area, um, and there was this really great trail angel who picked us up from um, the base of Taboose Pass. So went back into Bishop and um, decided to flip up to Chester, which we were researching. That didn't have as much snow as anything south, so we decided to flip up to Chester and continue north. So that's what we ended up doing. Went to Chester, continued north made it to Canada, which was epic. Um, and if you have any questions between, I, I love, I actually, so I feel like not a lot of people say this, but if I could go back and do parts of the trail again, I would probably hike from NorCal to Oregon or through Oregon. Cause I really love those stretches and NorCal was great. It was beautiful. I think some people, I, a lot of people get, I think they call it the NorCal blues in Northern California because, mm -hmm. you know, they just did the Sierra. It was epic. And then, oh, NorCal is kind of underwhelming. But I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think part of the reason is there was no smoke. So we were really lucky in 2019 because there weren't very many um, wildfires because I guess because it, it was so wet that yeah. year. So there was no smoke. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous in NorCal. And I really liked Oregon as well. The Sisters Wilderness is one of my favorite stretches on the trail. So I don't know. You've interviewed a lot of people about this. Like, what has been the feedback for the NorCal and Oregon section? They're 
a lot of people seem to be generally of the opinion opinion that is something to got to be gotten through. I mean, Oregon, you get into when you have yeah. mosquitoes. Um, it's yeah. very, it's flat. I mean, there are some obviously great sites in terms of Crater Lake and things like that. But I feel like it's sort of people think of it, or the, or the way that I've interpreted the way people think of it, I should say, is that it's something to be gotten through until you mm-hmm. get to sort of the Mount Hood area and down into Cascade Locks, and then you're into Washington, and Washington is then, because I've heard so many people talk about Washington. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's something that surprised me about the trail. Like, I really loved every section. I loved every section. I thought I was going to hate the desert. And there were moments where I did. <laughs> like that windy day I told you about. Yeah. But, but, but I really enjoyed Northern California and I really enjoyed Oregon. I know like what you were saying, it's just kind of something to be got gotten through for a lot of hikers. But and for Oregon, for example, there's like the two week challenge where you get to Oregon in two weeks. Um, but I just I thought it was stunning. And I I, I don't personally I wouldn't I wouldn't want to rush Oregon or or NorCal. There were some really I'm trying to think. Um NorCal there's this lake that I really want to go back to. It's called Porcupine Lake. And it's a little bit off the trail, but you can camp there. There were a lot of weekend backpackers there. That's a place where I would really want to go back to. And then there, let's see, there were some other really great, beautiful lakes. And, oh, right outside of uh, Dunsmuir, near the Castle Crags area, there's this, there's this campsite. I think it's mile... 15, 12 or something like that, where you, you can camp. And I cowboy camped there because the view is so amazing, but you can camp at this site and you can see Mount Shasta and then the Castle Crags. I think that was one of my favorite places to camp on the trail. So tip for the PCT hikers out there, (laughs) go, go camp there. Beautiful views. But yeah, I really enjoyed NorCal and Oregon. Um, I think if I could go back anywhere on the trail, that's probably like a stretch I would do if I would section hike again. But of course, the Sierra, the Sierra is my favorite. Really? Even after all of... Yeah. Yeah. It was an adventure. Every day was an adventure and you just did not know what was going to happen. You did not know what was going to happen. So I really liked the adventure of it, even though I was scared, <laughs> even though I was scared. But um, yeah, if if I could do a... And I go back to the Sierra a lot to hike and stuff. So I really love the Sierra. It, it, it's hard to choose a favorite portion but if i could i guess what i'm trying to say is if i could section hike along a large portion of the trail i'd probably do norcal to oregon and that's probably not something you hear very often no it's not <laughs> but uh yeah um something that did happen to me and calzone i was just hiking with calzone at the time in norcal we saw a mountain lion and that's something that's that i thought would would scare me and I, I had a feeling I probably would see a mountain lion at some point on the trail. So we were hiking near just before um, Syed Valley. I think it was a night before we got into Syed Valley. And um, we ended up at that point in time, there were a bunch of berries on trail, <laughs> blackberries and um, uh, thimbleberries. So we were like spending a couple hours just like eating berries. <laughs> on trail. Um, so we were rolling into camp really late at night and we turned around the corner to where we were going to camp. And, uh, my headlamp was on obviously, cause it was dark. It's probably like nine 30 at night when we're rolling in 
And I saw these like green eyes looking at me right where we were going to set up our tents. And I could kind of see the silhouette of the animal. At first I thought it was a deer, but then I realized it was a cat. And so, so I luckily researched what to do beforehand, you know, if I saw a mountain lion, cause I thought, you know, it, there's probably going to be a time where I'm going to see a mountain lion. I should probably know what to do. So I kind of went into that mode of versus being like really scared. I just went into the mode of like, okay, here's what we need to do. So Calzone was uh, like a couple feet away from me. And so I was like, okay, Calzone, that's a mountain lion. I'm going to come over to you because you're supposed to like look big or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm just going to slowly come over to you. Just stay where you are. So I slowly went over to her. I lifted my hands up in the air to look bigger. And then I told her to start singing. (laughs) And so we started singing. And um, we were singing a little bit aggressively at first. And so I I said like, okay, let's sing a little bit more softly and calmly. And so we started singing more softly and calmly. And um, the mountain lion did not move and it was staring at us. And a couple of minutes after that, it it like turned its head and slowly slinked away. (laughs) So luckily that, that worked, but I think, I think I know Calzone was a little bit scared, um, but just the fact that we kind of handled the situation without freaking out, <laughs> that was something to be proud of, I guess. So um, I guess just it, it's, it's important to know what to do. I think if, if you're, you know, a future PCT hiker, it's a good, I, I'd say at least it's a good thing to know like how to deal with specific animals on trail, like bears, mountain lions. Those are the two big ones, I think. Rattlesnakes. Just, just so... Rattlesnakes. That's a good one. Yes. Rattlesnakes. <laughs> yeah. Rattlesnakes are a lot louder than I thought they were going to be. <laughs> so usually I would know where they were, but it really freaked me out every time. But yeah, it's, it's a really good idea before you go on a long hike, especially for the first time to kind of research what to do for these, you know, a little bit more dangerous animals. So you, so you're prepared. And so you don't have to, you don't have to freak out if you know what to do. So yeah, that kind of gave us some empowerment, but we didn't end up seeing any more mountain lions on trail. It was just that one time. But um, needless to say, after that incident, we, uh, you know, went a little bit, we backtracked a little bit from where the mountain lion was and we set up our tents really quick. <laughs> you <laughs> camped so, somewhere else. We did. We totally camped somewhere else. Yeah. We were, we were debating on like, oh, should we keep going? But then I just pictured this mountain lion stalking us. So I was like, no, let's, let's go back maybe, I don't know, a quarter mile. Cause there was a, a place to camp. And so that's what we did. We just went back and we set up our tents really quick and like dove in. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I've never heard of a mountain lion attacking a tent. Have you? I, I just figured no, that I if we got in our tents, we'd be good for the night at least. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's what we ended up doing, but, um, I guess that's a little bit of a tangent. Um, on NorCal, but yeah, I um, really enjoyed NorCal. Really enjoyed um, Oregon. Like I said, Sisters Wilderness was amazing, and then of course Washington. Like the Cascades were awesome. And um, what time of the year were you yeah. in Washington? Oh, let's see. When did we enter Washington? I think we entered Washington August fifteenth or so, around August. Yeah, yeah, mid August. Yeah, and then um, made it to the Canadian border September 12th. So once we made it to the Canadian border, we decided to go back 
and re and um, fill in the gaps that we missed. So we decided to flip back to um, Chester and hike southbound with the intention of finishing on Taboose Pass to finish the whole trail. How many of your family, how many of the people who left at that point were still with you to, to hit back to Chester and finish? Yeah. So it was just three of us. So it was me, um, my uh, Calzone, and then um, our other trail family member, Stevie Wonder. So we three um, went back to Chester and then started hiking south. So um, that was really great. It was, um, there was a point where it was very cold. Uh, I had a, a couple scary nights, let's just say that with snow and it was, it was, it was getting cold. It was getting later in the season at that point. So let's see, let's see. Yeah. You had some issues with freezing. Yes. Um, so yeah, there was one shoes, night where um, we were freezing water, what was that? <laughs> free, freezing <Yeah. laughs> shoes, freezing water. Yeah. Yeah. That was right at the end. So I guess I'll fast forward to that. Um, so we ended up hiking to South Lake Tahoe. So we hiked a couple hundred miles and, uh, oh my gosh, we hiked through the desolation wilderness, which was amazing with like, like Aloha and Dick's Pass. And so that was an amazing stretch. I would also go back to, um, but made it to South Lake Tahoe. And, um, at that point we just made it in before a big snowstorm. So we stayed in Lake Tahoe for, I think we stayed for four days to wait out the storm, um, with the intention of going back in after the storm hit. So that's what we did. And, and this was right at the start of this, technically the Sierra section going southbound. So, um, we are, um, the trail angel that was um, hosting us dropped us off right where the trail started. And he was a little nervous to like, let us go actually, because it was really <laughs> snowy and cold. He was like, I don't know if I should be worried about you guys or should I let you go? And we're like, yeah, we'll be fine. No big deal. So um, yeah, he was a little bit worried, but he let us go. Uh, anyway, so ended hiking um, about eight miles that day, just because we didn't get a start until like the late afternoon. So we hiked eight miles and we couldn't find a dry patch to set up on. There was just snow everywhere. So we had to like brush off an area to set up our tents and stuff. And, you know, I was hiking through snow in my trail runners and they're not waterproof. So my, my feet were really wet and um, it was fine when I was hiking because my, my body is warm. But once I stopped to set up my tent, my feet started to freeze really freeze. And so I like set up my tent really fast and I got in my sleeping bag and, um, you know, took my, my wet shoes and wet socks off and everything. And, um, it took me about an hour to warm up my feet. (laughs) Not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, even like hiking through the Sierra, I didn't have that experience um, because it was warm when we were hiking through the Sierra, even though we were surrounded by snow, it was warm during the day. And um, it, it wasn't as cold at night in the Sierra, but this was the coldest I'd ever been. It got down to 11 degrees. And so I, I was just miserable. <laughs> I didn't eat my dinner because I was trying to like warm up my feet. And I was like, oh my God, I better have frostbite. Like I was just not in a good headspace at that point. So I like didn't drink any water. I didn't eat dinner. I was just pretty miserable. And I had never been as miserable on trail as I was that night. So, and that was, I think, day 170 at this point. So I was like, man, I am, I'm just not having fun. Like I, even though there were days, you know, when I was in the desert, that windy day, like it kind of sucked, 
but I was still in a weird way. I was still having fun, you know? So there were a lot of days that weren't so great or days when I was being attacked by mosquitoes in Oregon, like it sucked, but I was still all in. I was still all in for hiking the trail. This was the first time where I had the desire to get off trail. I never had a strong desire to get off trail the whole time. And so this is the first time I was like, man, I really want to get off trail right now because <laughs> I'm just miserable and it's just not fun for me anymore. And, and I mentioned before, it's good to make decisions based off of why you're on the trail. Go back to the why. Why are you here? And so I was just thinking like, I'm here to have a good time. And I've had a good time for 170 days, even through the suck. But now things are different. So I wanted to give it a day or two to, to, to see, you know, cause I didn't want, I don't take getting off trail lightly. And so I wanted to give it a couple days. And, um, that morning, the, the morning after I woke up and like everything was frozen, <laughs> my shoes were frozen, my food was frozen, my water was frozen, like everything was frozen. And, um, you know, I was still in that same space of like, Oh my God, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with this. And it wasn't going to get better probably. Yeah. And that's what I didn't really know. I didn't know if it was going to get better or not. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm miserable, but I'm going to still give it a couple more days. So packed up, started hiking and I got to the, there was a road in, uh, let me see, like five miles from where we camped. And so we were hiking to this road and we, my um, trail family and I stopped and we just had a discussion about like, Hey, how are you guys feeling right now? Like, are we, are we crazy or, or is this a good idea? And so I just voiced my opinion. I said, Hey guys, I'm, I'm not in a good mental place right now. I'm not having a good time. I'm not appreciating the nature around me because I'm just not happy. So I want to give it a couple more days, but I'm just not happy. <laughs> and so Calzone also voiced the same so she was kind of going through the same thing. And then um, Stevie Wonder was saying, you know, I, I want to give it more time. So um, we decided to just give it more time. And so I, we hiked to this road and I went over a hill to, to hike to the road. And I could see like where the PCT was going. It was an expanse of snow, deep snow. And I just knew at that moment that my hike was over because I didn't want to go through a week long of what I just went through. And I thought it was pretty probable that that would be the case. And so that's when my hike ended. And um, luckily I was hiking by myself at that point. I was like lagging behind. <laughs> um, so I started like sobbing by myself <laughs> hiking. Cause I just, when you know, you know, and I just knew it was over for me for that, for at least for that year. And so I was heartbroken because I, I didn't think it was going to end that way for 2019. Um, I thought I was going to finish. And that ended up being the most important lesson I learned on trail. And I, I'm sure you've heard this phrase uh, before. It's on trail all the time. So the trail provides is the phrase. Yeah. And I found all throughout the trail that it provided for me um, and every way I needed it to. So like, let's say in the desert, I was hiking and I needed water. 
And I, on gut, the gut hooks guide, a gut hook guide on, on my phone is what I used to navigate. And so it would say like, oh, there's not another water source for like whatever, two miles. There would all of a sudden be a little water source that I could filter. Or, you know, I was hiking alone for a certain point and then I met Calzone, who was my first trail family member. The trail brought her to me, I believe, at least. I feel like the trail brought her to me because, um, you know, every member of my trail family really changed my life, I have to say. So there's so many different ways the trail provided for me and the lessons I needed to learn, like getting out of the Sierra or getting off trail um, in right near South Lake Tahoe. The, the trail was teaching me something. And so this was the most important uh, important lesson I learned from the PCT was to drop the ego. And that's what I had to do to just um, accept it, I guess. I had to accept that I was getting off trail for the year. And so even though it was sad that I didn't complete the whole trail in one year, I learned to drop my ego. And that was so important for life. I think it's important for life too is drop the ego a little bit and you'll be happier. <laughs> so, um, so what that saying, gave me... When yeah. you're saying drop the ego, meaning what precisely? Um, just, just, I'd say on trail, there is some, some ego on trail where, you know, I want to be able to say I finished the trail in one year because I want to be a badass. I want people to think... I'm the greatest or, you know, does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's ego, but I had to ask myself, do I want to finish this trail in one year for my own happiness? Or do I want to finish this trail in one year to be able to say that I did just for the purpose of what other people think? And the answer I came to was, I want to finish this trail in one year so I can tell people that I did. Does that really make me happy? Not necessarily. So I came to realize that once I got off trail, I'd be able to go back. My journey wasn't over on the PCT. So once I went through, because I I did go through post-trail depression after I got off trail, what really helped me was knowing that I could go back. Like my PCT journey wasn't over yet. And so that's something that made me happy. <laughs> Actually, I can go back. And so I am going back this year to finish in 2020. And I'm probably going to retrace my steps a little bit too. I'm planning on doing the JMT because that's, there's a lot of overlap with the PCT on the JMT. I think you have to do like 40 extra miles to complete the JMT. So I get to do that this year. And my trail family members are coming back out to hike with me um, and to also finish the trail. Yeah. So it actually ended up, even though it was like pretty, pretty sad for me when I decided to go off trail, it was a blessing in disguise. And I believe that was the trail like providing this for me. So it really made going through post-trail depression, which I still did go through, um, a little bit easier to cope with because I know I'm going to be back. I know I'm going to be back. Did Calzone and Stevie Wonder continue on or did they also get off trail at the same point? Oh, great question. So Calzone got off trail with me um, and Stevie Wonder kept going and he finished. So um, I ended up, actually Calzone and I ended up going to meet him. He actually exited Kearsarge Pass. So he retraced his steps a little bit because Taboose Pass, where we got off trail and where we would have ended 
our hike uh, was closed due to fire, a little wildfire. So he ended up going out to your SAR. So we um, hiked up to meet him when he was done. So yeah, he finished, but he's probably going to come back out um, and hike with us anyway. Because it's he's always just looking to get for another excuse trail. to get on the trail. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I do see how people want to keep through hiking. I totally yeah. see that. Because I, I can't really imagine if, if I did finish the PCT all in one year, it would be a lot harder to cope with, I feel like. And the post-trail depression I had was already kind of bad. So I, I take my hat off to everybody who did it all in one year. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're already planning another through hike because it, it's a loss. It really is a loss to be done, I would imagine. It, it does seem to be the pattern. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And post-trial depression is, um, I thought, you know, I'm like, oh, it won't happen to me. I'm not even done with the trail yet. I have like 11% of the trail to finish. So, you know, my journey's not over, but it actually did hit me pretty hard. And I'll give you an example of like what I went through. So once I got back, I was visiting with a lot of friends I hadn't seen in a long time. And so one incident where, or incident where postural depression was <laughs> pretty obvious was I went to um, visit a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time for lunch. And then I got back home. So I was really happy um, because I got to visit with her and high spirits and everything. And then I got home and I turned on a really sad song to listen to. And I just started like bawling while I was looking at, I have a view of this like mountain um, from the backyard where I'm staying. And so I just was like looking at this mountain and I was inside and I was just crying, looking outside, wishing I could be out there backpacking. So it was, it was really hard to deal with those emotions. It was just so back and forth. I'd be really happy one second and then I'd be like lowest of the low the next second. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure you've probably heard about postural depression from all the people that you've interviewed. Like, it, is that yeah. kind of the norm? I'm guessing it, it is, but like the mood swings and yeah, I think it manifests in different ways and and yeah, some of it is is emotional and some of it is physical. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, obviously, and I've heard many people talk about their dysfunctional relationship with food as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's speaking of food, yeah. It's it's tough because you're so used to eating whatever you want, whenever you want while you're hiking the trail, right? And you're not going to gain, for the most part, you're not going to gain a ton of weight. I stayed about the same weight, actually, throughout the trail. So I maintained. But after the trail, you know, I still had kind of bad habits about eating, and it was the holiday season, <laughs> uh, which is another tough thing to deal with. So I ended up, yeah, I gained a little bit of weight, which I'm trying to, you know, it's it's now five months after I got off trail. So, you know, I've been running and everything, but I, I ended up being very injured after the trail. So I wasn't really even able to run much. Um, I'd get out and hike sometimes, but I ended up having um, Achilles tendonitis. So it's finally... I've been doing a lot of like icing and massaging and everything. So it's finally getting better and I'm running again, but it was tough because I was injured and then I was eating kind of a lot still and not eating, you know, the most healthy thing. So I, I am sure this is kind of the norm where, you know, you yeah. gain weight after the trail. <laughs> 
So yeah, I'd say I'm in that category for sure. The Achilles issues that you were having, was that something that you were having on the trail or was this another thing that started to manifest after you got off trail? Mm, yeah. Um, so I was having issues on trail with my Achilles. Okay. Um, luckily, I subs- like I kept the pain at bay. So I was able to every night like uh, massage my Achilles, but come to find out I was massaging them the wrong way. Um, <laughs> but it still helped at least. So I, I just dealt with the pain, honestly. Um, and I think the reason I got Achilles tendonitis in the first place was I ditched my insoles about halfway, uh, maybe about a, a third of the way through the trail. I ditched them because they were getting old and I didn't, they were custom insoles and I didn't have a way to get custom insoles on trail at that point that I knew of at least. So I, I was like, oh, I'm just going to try this without insoles. And I kept not, you know, buying insoles the whole way through. So. Um, I think that's why I ended up getting tendonitis is because I didn't have the insoles. So now I'm paying for it. <laughs> um, but luckily, uh, the, it, they're getting a lot better now. It just took a while. It took five months. And now I can actually like run again. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'd i say about four months after trail, I was still having trouble walking down the stairs in the morning. <laughs> I, I looked like this old woman. Um, coming down the stairs. So, you know, it's funny. I've heard, I guess it's maybe 50 50. I'm not sure. But people after the trail, like some people can't walk for four months like me. And then other people can like run a marathon, no problem. So I guess it just depends on your body and how how your body, you know, takes all of the mileage. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, it's, it's a total shock for your body to just not not hike 30 miles a day. But I think some people's bodies just adapt very quickly. <laughs> so I'm definitely one of those people who can't really walk for months after a long hike like this. <laughs> so you just have to factor that into your plans for the next one and the next one and the next one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a, ne- I mean, I'm going to finish the PCT this year, but yeah, I, I'm thinking about maybe doing another trail after we'll see, we'll see, but I definitely, you're right. I definitely have to factor that in after the trail. Cause I'm going to be, I'm going to be hurting probably, <laughs> but yeah. I do want to know, like, have you talked to anybody who could run a marathon after? Cause I need to know what their secret is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I- I, yeah, 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 yeah. Most of the people that I talk to seem to slow down. I know mm. there've been a couple of people who have gone on to do, uh, we'll call it physical feats, but who have gone on to mm. do, you know, something, you know, kind of an, a, a sort of larger exercise thing, running thing or trail running thing. Yeah. After yeah. getting off trail. Uh, but that is, that seems to me more rare than the norm. Yeah. Yeah. That's inspiring. That is very inspiring. Yeah. I know a couple people who, who ran, I think ran marathons after. So um, if you want to interview them, let me know. Cause I can give you their names, <laughs> um, maybe get their secrets, but yeah, it's, it's just so impressive when I see somebody do that after a long trail. So impressive. I, I'm really going to be interested to see how my body responds to it. So, yeah, that's something yeah. I wanted to ask. What's your story? Have you hiked long trails or are you, are you planning to? Uh, well, my, my story is, I guess, yes, I am planning to, because I'm going to do the PCT this year. 
<gasps> oh my God. Okay. I'm so excited for you. That's great. But I have not in the past and, and long distance type of stuff is more along the lines of that I've done in the p- past of more along the lines of like triathlon, Ironman, half Ironman, that kind of thing. <gasps> nice. Nice. Um, great. Great. So, you know, it's a distance, but it happens all in one day. So right. <laughs> this is a completely yeah. different animal. Yeah. I feel like though, that you're very, very well trained for something like this versus, you know, like I, I don't know, a lot of people that I hiked with didn't train at all before, yeah. before the trial. Um, so I, yeah, I feel like just because you have that background, it, it might be a lot easier for you. Might be. I, I, Fingers crossed. But I feel (laughs) like, and and grant you, I'm not out on the trail yet. So we'll see how much this theory holds water. But Uh I feel like the thing that is the most beneficial to me, or, or will potentially be the most beneficial for me is that I have been physically active my entire life, even though this year, I'm turning 50 and and that kind of thing, which is also part of the reason Mm -hmm. to be out there. I've been physically Mm -hmm. active my entire life. You know, yeah. so I, I know my body and I know, I feel like I've got a pretty good sense of when to push it and when to stop. And when I turned 40, I sort of left that ego at the door. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, again, we'll see if that holds water or not, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's the idea, you know, is, is taking advantage of the muscle memory that there is with the exercising and the, the mm-hmm. training. But yeah, being smart about it, mm-hmm. shall we say? Shall we call it? Right. Such a good plan. Yeah. Being smart about it. Yeah. So um, how's your preparation going? And are you starting in April or? I am April 4th. Okay. Oh, nice. So nice. about like literally a month. Oh, how exciting. Um, so the preparation, it's funny. I was kind of out of commission, so to speak, or out of the country for, for two months. And now I'm, I'm kind of frantically doing the preparation in terms of like the gear and things like that, but also in terms of the physical, because I was working out of the country. And so I wasn't, I had been really training good up to that point. And then I left and sort of now I'm not necessarily starting over, but I'm Mm -hmm. starting at a, a little bit of a deficit from where I was. And it's, again, challenging to be patient with the process of rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how you can take a break for just a couple days and then realize, whoa, that really affected my performance and how I feel. And particularly as you get older. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's Um, that's the rudest awakening. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. I know things really do change, don't they? Even in a couple years. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if this is any consolation, I, um, I did hike with some people who didn't train at all before the trail and they got, they did very well. So I think for you or for anybody who's listening, um, if you're planning on, on hiking a long trail, definitely. And you, and you don't have training before, cause I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think lack of training should stop you necessarily from doing something like this. Just start slow. And, yeah. um, that's so important. So, you know, the people that I know who hike that did very well and didn't have training, they started with 10 miles a day. Um, and they progressively worked their way up to be very, very strong hikers. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a big one. I I did see, especially, you know, if you're hiking northbound, starting in Campo, 
the very first place I hiked, I started with 15 miles because I was, I was running at that point. So I felt pretty good. Um, but I didn't want to overdo it. So I started with 15 miles a day and worked my way up. So I made it to, um, Hauser Creek the first day, um, where that's like the first main water source you can get to. So I went to Hauser Creek and there were a lot of people pushing beyond that on the first day because they were so excited. They got caught mm-hmm. up in everything and wanted to tell everybody <laughs> they were hiking 20 miles the first day. You know, a lot of those people were off trail by Idlewild. So um, definitely start slow and don't be, don't try not to get caught up in the excitement to where you're pushing yourself too far. Because, you know, it, it's really sad if you prepare so much and you travel from, you know, a different state or a different country. And then after a week, you have to get off trail. That's not, that's not probably your plan in the first place. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say just start slow. If, um, you know, if you're feeling like you don't want to push it too far, you don't want to get injured because, you know, longevity is the key here. So, um, nobody's going to care if you start 10 miles a day. Yeah. So I'd say just kind of, but I mean, you said you left your ego at the door a long time ago. I think that's so important. That's what I learned on trails to drop the ego. Try to do that early on and try to hike your own hike is, I guess, you know, some advice for people just starting. Cause I, I almost got caught up, caught up in that too. I almost got caught up in that too, but I'm so glad I didn't. Cause I, I didn't have too many injury instances on trail where I got off trail because of injury. So yeah. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that out there because I think it's important. <laughs> yeah. No, it, but, it's, um, it's important. It's certainly important for me. I don't know about the 20 somethings, but it's certainly important for me. Um, yeah. You know, and it, yeah. it would really suck to have to get off trail because of an injury that could have been avoided if you had, if I had, you had taken it slower, been more conscientious about you know, whatever. Um, but things that yes. are certainly avoidable. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because others, you know, of course, like freak accidents could happen. Of course, that's possible. But yeah, like you said, if it's within your control, you know, it's definitely best to not push yourself. You know, it's good to push yourself, but not too far. And sometimes it's hard to, yeah. to know where that line is. Um, yeah. But I'd say right out the gate, I wouldn't push it. I would not push it. <laughs> right out the gate, the line, if you think you're pushing the line, you should just take a step back. <laughs> just just relax, just calm down and enjoy the experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, did you have any other um, specific questions for me? I know I was kind of blabbing a lot about just like progression of the trail for me, but is there anything specific you'd like to, to, to ask? Well, as a matter of fact, it's funny you should ask that. Okay. <laughs> I noticed you had out there, you had a climate or climate uh, air mattress. How did that work for you? So I really liked it because of the price point. So I ended up getting the climate. It's, it's a lightweight four season. Actually, it's my only four season piece of gear that I have. So it's a lightweight four season um, pad. I ended up getting it on Amazon for $50. Um, and it lasted me the whole through hike. And I actually, I just camped this past um, weekend at Lake Marina, <laughs> which is right off the of PCT, actually. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a little hike on the PCT, so trip down memory lane. But anyway, I went camping there and I was using my, my pads and still using my climate air pad. So I really like it. However, for the price point, I really like it. It but... wasn't the most comfortable. And something okay. I noticed on trail was, I, I so I've, 
in the past, I've never had issues with sleeping through the night. I would always sleep through the night, no problem. Once I got on trail, I was not sleeping throughout the night. And I think part of the reason was my sleeping pad because I would like roll off of it Mm. kind of easy. But for the price point, I think it was worth it. And it's so durable. So I'm still using it. It wasn't very noisy, which was a plus for me as well, because um, the thermarests of the world are at least the ones that people were using on trail, so noisy. (laughs) And um, I personally, I talk and turn a lot at night. And so I would probably be awake more if I had a thermarest. This is just me, um, because I'd be worried about other people around. And I was usually camping with other people around. So um, I think the climate was a good option for me personally. but I am open to trying a thermo rest or another type of sleeping pad that is a little bit more comfortable in the future. Um, especially since I'm not as, and we could talk about this too if you want, but I'm not as concerned with pack weight anymore. I was like obsessed with it at the beginning when I was prepping, like where I, where I was, where you are now, Erin, is when I was prepping, I was, I was like weighing my pack with every piece of gear I was putting in. <laughs> so um, I came to find, at least for me, that pack weight isn't as important to me. So I think I would be inclined to maybe try another sleeping pad that's a little bit heavier, but a little bit more comfortable. So do you have a sleeping pad already? Or are you kind of like looking into all the different options? I Well, as of today, as of this mm. hour, I okay. have a sleeping pad now. I literally spent the morning at REI but um, laid on their little bench and, you know, got the sleeping pad out, got the pillow Mm -hmm. out, got the sleeping bags out um, and, uh, you know, did the whole testing thing. And, and I realized really quickly in doing that, that because I'm a side sleeper and I'm a side sleeper who does like a figure four type thing with my legs, as opposed to just bending my knees. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That I know this is all like in the weeds, but yeah, I know what it figure four is. That's, yeah, <laughs> it's like factored into this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I because of twofold. I needed to get a sleeping bag that would allow me mm. to do the figure be on my side and do the figure four thing, and I needed a pad yeah. that was wide enough down there that my knees my knee wouldn't fall off the side of it. Okay, yeah, and that seems to be a very rare combination. <laughs> It's pretty specific. It's pretty well. And so did you go with a mummy bag? I can't really imagine you doing that in a mummy, but maybe you can. Um, I went with a Nemo. Okay. Uh, a Nemo jam actually, which is okay. pseudo mummy bag, but it's built a little bit wider in the hips and uh, lower leg area for people who uh, sleep on their sides. Okay. Oh, great. I'm going to have to look into that because I'm a slight sleeper as well. So thank you. So, yeah. So I, <laughs> I looked at that and I, I, you know, laid there in it for a while. Um, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, let me just test the mummy bag or a mummy bag and see if there's really that much difference. And there was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. You found a good combination for you. That's great. Yeah. And then I, for pad wise, I ended up with an REI, uh, what was it? REI, REI flash that is a little bit wider. Okay. It's so it's a mummy pad, but it's a little bit wider than the normal, like the Neo Air and things like that. Again, oh. so that I could lay on my side with my with my knee out and not have it fall off the end or the edge. Right. Right. Okay. Well, good. So you have two of your big four items 
at least. Do you have your yeah. tent? I do have a tent. I have a, okay. a copper spur actually. Oh, that's the one I have. I lo- Is it the UL one or two? Uh, two. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I have the so. one. It was kind of small. It was kind of small. So the two is probably a good call. Yeah. No, I saw your stuff laid out in it and it was very tight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit tight, but I am, I'm six or I'm not six. I'm five, six. So um, I could put my whole pack inside my tent just mm-hmm. barely. So I'm not that tall. So it worked for me, but yeah, I mean, um, I had my brother get in my tent just to see like how a six foot guy or he's six two, but like how it would be for somebody who's taller and he just fit. So he wouldn't be able to like put his stuff inside. Um, you know, yeah. he would go out and backpack, but um, it totally worked for me. Um, but yeah, I love the copper spur. I think that was a good call for you. So I'm excited to get, actually, I'm going to, I, uh, I want to get good at uh, putting it up. So I'm going to put it out in my driveway and start putting it up and taking it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I did that a couple of times for sure. But you know what? I, I'd say this, even if you don't have time to do it multiple times, like after I'd say a week or two weeks on trail, you will get that thing up in like five minutes and take it down in five minutes. Like you will be fast. So you'll you have can a do lot it of in your sleep. Too. Oh, totally. Yeah. You can do it in the dark without your headlamp on. Like you got it. You'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then what about your pack? Uh, right now my pack, I have a, an Osprey pack, but it's heavier because okay. it's, it's a full frame or a, yeah. a framed pack, pack and that kind of thing. So it's heavier, mm-hmm. but it fits really well. So I'm in the grand debate about weight at this point. <laughs> yep. I was too. I was too at that point that you're in now, but um, I did. Yeah. I had an, there were a lot of Osprey packs on trail. Um, a lot of people like, no, I love the yeah. way it fits my body, but it is like four pounds. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah. that'll probably be something that I'll continue to, you know, debate back and forth, back and forth until yep. the last second, probably. <laughs> yeah. And even like, let's say you start on trail with the pack, like mm-hmm. there are so many points where you can, um, get something sent to you and send back. So if you want to get a different pack, did you get it through REI by chance? I did. Okay. Cause they have a great return policy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's yeah, good. Yeah. You could always switch out your pack and there is an REI. Once you get to um, Agua Dulce, there's an okay. REI within driving distance, which I totally went to cause I had to get a bunch of other gear or whatever, replace some gear. So you can like, once you get to Agua Dulce, you can um, get an Uber or something and go into REI and switch them out too if you need to do that but um yeah a lot of people are concerned with like oh how do I send myself shoes on trail and all that stuff because you know you'll go through like four or five pairs of shoes probably Mm -hmm. and it's actually a lot easier I than you think or it's a lot easier than I thought initially um to get stuff on trail because you know you're going into town every four to eight or nine days so um, that gives you opportunity to like order, like, let's say you need a pair of shoes in the next hundred miles, you can order something um, in town to be delivered to like two towns from then. So it, it's, it's easier than I initially thought, at least to like get stuff on trail. Yeah. Thank God for uh, REI and Amazon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they'll ship to all those trail towns. So yeah. How about, um, are you sending yourself a resupply boxes at all on trail? At or this having point, somebody I send wasn't them to you? Really planning to. Okay. Um, 
I am still debating, honestly. Okay. You know, other than the big shifts between the different zones. Um, right. You, you know, the, right. the food side of things, I'm still, I'm still debating. Okay. Um, well, maybe this will, this is just my experience, but this might mm-hmm. make you feel better about that. So I, I have to eat gluten-free, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and so I ended up sending myself 15 boxes. So like half of my food, I ended up sending myself or having my mom send. So I prepped the boxes before I left and I just had her send them when I needed them. Um, I could have gone with maybe four boxes total uh, because I ended up not wanting what I prepackaged as I was hiking the trail. So I think what you're doing, this is just my personal opinion, but I Mm -hmm. think it's a good call what you're doing. Um, Because I wish I didn't spend as much time, you know, acquiring all the food I needed up front, because that was a big source of stress for me, actually, I almost didn't finish like getting all the stuff I needed to have in my boxes. So I was on top of everything else stressed about getting all my boxes packed. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, I think if I could do it all again, I would only send maybe four boxes for the whole trip. Because when you get into a town, there's usually some sort of resupply source. And um, yeah, I I ended up packing a lot of really healthy food (laughs) that I did (laughs) end up wanting after the desert section. (laughs) So um, I started craving like tortillas and cheese and pepperoni on, you know, for for trail. But I, I packed like healthy quinoa that I dehydrated and like all this stuff. So um, anyway, long way of saying, I think that's probably a good call, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, I think the I think the the way it is now, or this is what I'm hearing from you from everyone, and you you included mm-hmm. is the 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 ability to resupply in the towns, unless it unless your diet is very very special or specific, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, I, I'm gluten free. And so my diet is a little bit specific and I didn't even have a problem um, when I had to resupply and I didn't have boxes. And even when I did get boxes, you know, I'd I'd go to the store with calzone or something and still like check out the scene of food, um, even though I didn't buy anything and I would not have had a problem in most towns. So, um, you know, even if you have a special diet, it's still not too much of an issue. Yes, definitely possible. Mm hmm. Cool. Yeah. So I wanted to, cause we're, we're our, <laughs> our time is, is shorter at this point. Um, yes. <laughs> so I wanted to touch base with a couple of, a couple of places that you mentioned in your, in your videos, uh, that you, that you specifically called out in terms of being great places. And so I just wanted okay. to touch base with you on a few of them. Yeah. One was in Wrightwood mm. that you had the, you were saying, you mentioned the hardwood, hardware store. Yes. And uh, Trail Angels. I think it was Elizabeth. Oh my gosh. And- yeah. Um, I had two really great Trail Angels there. Um, why am I totally drawing a blank now on her name? Oh my gosh. And I actually, um, so the first Trail Angel that I found. Was it Laura? L- Laura. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't know why I totally drew a blank. Yes. Laura. She, she's an angel. I went to the hardware store um, right when I got into town, which is where like, um, you know, you can get 
uh, resupply if you want. And they have a whole book on trail angels in, in the store. And you can get like a PCG pin there and everything. So very um, hiker friendly at the hardware store in Wrightwood. So I went through the book of trail angels and I saw this post-it note. And it said, um, Laura, and it had her phone number and it said, um, organic food. Oh, what else? It said like three things that were so alluring to me, organic food, uh, soft beds and puppies. (laughs) And I was like, I'm in, like, I'm calling this woman. And so um, I ended up staying with her for a couple of days and she just was like amazing. And she was like, yeah, that posting note kind of made me sound like a serial killer or something (laughs) but I was like oh my gosh it kind of did but I was I was all in when he said puppies so because I love animals but um yeah so ended up staying with her um for a couple days and she just made she made us breakfast and dinner and took us into town for lunch and to like resupply and stuff so she just was one of the sweetest people I met on trail so I definitely recommend visiting with her um, if when you're going through Wrightwood. That's right. Just look for the puppies. Oh, my God. Yeah, her puppies are so cute. And then she has um, birds, too. So lots of animals everywhere. And she's just the nicest person. So I ended up, like, I, I always tried to offer, if, if any trail angel, like, gave me a ride into town or let me stay with them, I tried to give them some money. At least, you know, most of the time they wouldn't accept it, but at least, there was the gesture there. So they knew I cared. So anyway, I tried to give her some money because she made us all this amazing food and let us sleep at her place and drove us into town, did all these things for us. And she just, of course, wouldn't take the money. So I ended up taking her out to lunch recently. Um, and we're, pl- we're actually planning to do some trail magic this year together. So yeah, watch out every everybody, PCT 2020 class. <laughs> Um, we'll probably be north of Wrightwood. I'd say maybe in April. Oh, I'd say in May. But yeah, she she was so great. So great trail angels, pretty much all over the trail. But I'd say Wrightwood was she. Laura was probably my my fave, <laughs> my fave. And Elizabeth was great too. Um, so we stayed with her for another uh, just another night. But yeah, Wrightwood is full of like amazing people. Such a supportive community um, for for us hikers. So it was, however, it was a little hard to get a hitch to Wrightwood. So um, just FYI there, <laughs> you might be staying okay. there for a little while, but um, so worth it. But uh, yeah, definitely recommend um, going to see Laura in Wrightwood. In Kennedy Meadows, mm. you, you, it's so funny because you were, you were mentioning obviously the general store when everybody walks up to it and the clap. Oh my God. When they walk up yes. to it. Mm-hmm. But then you were also recommending the the general store as a place to eat and kind of hang out because there was another place in town, but that's a little bit noisier of a crowd. And yeah, yeah. So um, when you walk, like when you're in Kennedy Meadows, you approach Kennedy Meadows. There's a little bit of like a road walk, and then you, yeah, like you're saying, um, you see the general store, and there's a big, usually a big like P- welcome PCT hiker sign, and everybody claps for you when you like walk in surreal experience but um that's the general store right when you walk in Mm -hmm. and you can resupply there you can um send your mail there and um you can also camp there and so i didn't end up doing that the first night i hitched over or they they have like a um there's a truck that goes back and forth between the general store and a place called grumpy bears so that's another (laughs) place you can go if um you want to resupply and that sort of thing so I ended up going to Grumpy Bears for the, I think the 
first night I was in Kennedy Meadows because I heard that the food was a little bit better there um, because they have like a barbecue um, or like a little restaurant um, that you can go to and get food. So I heard the food was good there. And that's, um, as you'll find out, you probably already know this, but like when you get into town, your first priority is eating. Like you don't care about taking a shower, at least me and my trail family, we didn't care about taking a shower or anything. We wanted food. So that was my (laughs) first priority. (laughs) So I was like, wherever the best food is, is where I'm going to be. So um, uh, caught, caught a uh, truck over to Grumpy Bear Estate there. But yeah, it was definitely like at that point, there were a ton of people in Kennedy Meadows trying to figure out what they were going to do. So some people were flipping, some people were going through, some people were getting off trail altogether. Um, So I think a lot of people were there at that point because there was that big snowstorm I keep talking about (laughs) at Mm -hmm. the end of May. Yeah. So a lot of people didn't know what they were doing um, or were trying to find people to go into the Sierra with. So I think it was a little bit of a bottleneck at that time in Kennedy Meadows. So there were a lot of people there and they're definitely like, it was noisy at night. I have to say, <laughs> um, they did serve alcohol at Grumpy Bears, but it was fine. I just had my, just make sure you have your plug. And then when you have that many people with Neo airs. Yes, <laughs> I know everybody's going the crinkle, 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 making a bunch of noise on their Neo airs. Yeah. Yeah. So I just made sure I had your plug. So it wasn't like a huge deal. Um, but I did decide the next day that I, I, um, wanted to get all of my gear that I needed. So I, I bought crampons, crampons um, in Kennedy Meadows. So I bought like gators and that sort of thing. Since I decided to go into the Sierra, I ended up buying all of my gear at Kennedy Meadows, which you can do. Which is um, the Triple Crown Outfitters? Triple Crown Outfitters is where I ended up buying everything. Yeah. And I actually talked to Yogi and you know that she's like a legend in through hiking uh, yeah. community, especially for the PCT. So I ended up like, getting with her and talking about or asking her like, okay, what should I do? Like, what kind of shoes do I need? So I was really lucky to like be able to um, ask her these questions. And so she, she spent a lot of time with me. So I was very thankful for that. But yeah, so I ended up getting all of my gear at Triple Crown, which is at Grumpy Bears. And so once I did that, I migrated back over to the general store where I spent the next night and it was a lot quieter over there. So that's just that's just like what my experience was. Um, but I, it's not to say that it could be flipped when you're there. I don't know. But that was just my experience at the time when it was kind of like a bottleneck for hikers at that point. Yeah. So I, I if I could do it again, I'd probably stay at the general store both nights instead of just one <laughs> and then migrate over to Grumpy Bears just for my gear. Yeah. Well, and I, you guys are probably again there at a really unusual time in so much as, like you said, there was a bottleneck and everybody on everybody's mind is the Sierras and what are they going to do? And so, yep. Oh yeah. There was, there was definitely yep, excitement, conversation, fear, all of that. And, um, oh, okay. Um, one of the best, this is just a tip one of the best hiker boxes is in Kennedy Meadows because a lot of people get off trail at that point and they just ditch their good gear. So (laughs) I got a lot of great gear (laughs) in Kennedy Meadows. And also, um, speaking of hiker boxes, another great hiker box is um, if you're in Bishop while you're going through the Sierra, when you get off trail and go into Bishop to resupply, um, um, Hostel California has a legit hiker box. And I love staying there too. So just FYI, that was like one of my favorite places to stay and one of the best hiker boxes. But going back to Kennedy Meadows, yeah, I would definitely, if I were you, when you're there, check out the hiker box at the general store specifically. Okay. 
Noted. Yes. (laughs) Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you feel like we should? Oh my gosh. Um, Gosh, I think we covered a lot. Uh, hmm. I guess just maybe some parting words with, I'm, I'm so excited for you and the next class of PCT hikers. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in there a little bit too. I'm going to be hiking this year. Um, so I just say, um, I don't know if you heard of um, halfway anywhere, but they have mm-hmm. a hiker survey. And yeah. um, I, I read over, cause I, I took the survey and um, I read over kind of the results for um, 2019. And a lot of people say they wish they slowed down and taken pictures of their trail families and just kind of maybe enjoyed a little bit more. Um, and I'd say that's probably the biggest advice I have for this next class of PCT hikers is definitely make sure that you're not all consumed with the miles you're doing every day. Make sure to stop and just enjoy the nature around you and the people around you, because it's really, it's really so special. And my heart hurts just thinking about it in the best way possible. Um, So yeah, I'd say, you know, for this class, PCT hikers, future classes, just definitely make sure to stop and um, stop and enjoy, stop and enjoy um, everything around you because it's most likely going to be one of the most special times in your life. And it's, I I think it's so funny. I think it's probably like most things where when you start it, it feels like it's going to last forever and how are you ever going to finish it? And then as I constantly hear people talk about, like they get into Oregon and it's almost like an avalanche rolling downhill and it just gathers speed. And all of a sudden you're in Washington and then you're a day out from the border and all of a sudden it's over. Right. Yeah. You're like, where did the time go? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And that's, that's a good point. Like from, I'd say, I, I agree. Like from Oregon on, it just goes by in a flash. The desert section is kind of like, seems a little bit longer because you're getting, you're getting used to the flow. And I'd say you get used to the flow after like two weeks, at least that's, that was kind of when I got used to it. So the desert section, you're kind of getting used to the flow. You're finding the people who um, you might want to hike around. You're just figuring a lot of things out. You're learning so much. You're figuring out which gear you need to ditch and what gear you need to um, bring in to your hiking system. Um, but yeah, I'd say once you hit Oregon and Washington, it's going to go by in a flash. So definitely stop, make sure to stop and enjoy, stop and go swim in that lake. That looks beautiful. Like you, you have time, you have time. So yeah, just stop and enjoy sometimes. Cause that's, those are, at least for me, those were the best memories. And I'd say you mentioned, you know, being a day out from the border, one of my favorite memories of the whole trail was um, actually the day we were hiking to the Canadian border. Um, I was with Calzone, Stevie Wonder, who I've mentioned before, and then um, mm-hmm. our friend Trojan Warhorse, who's from Germany. Um, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> such a great group. And so we decided about eight miles before the border, we were going to stop and have coffee and w- look at the sweeping view of Washington, the last sweeping view actually until the border. Um, is about eight miles before the border. So we decided to stop at that area and just take it all in. And so that's one of my favorite memories. We stopped, had coffee, had a lot of laughs, and just took in this beautiful last view until Canada. And yeah, one of my favorite memories on trail. So I definitely encourage future PCT hikers to, to do that once in a while. Yeah, miles are important, but those moments are important as well. And those are the ones that are going to stick with you for the rest of your life. 
Yeah. It's sort of like taking a moment to really appreciate, take in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in those moments, for me at least, my grandfather had this quote that I love. He would say, drink in the beauty. And so every time I would stop, I would try to embody that. Just drink in the beauty with your eyes. Cause it, and all of your senses, really. Such you, you will travel to so many remote places that nobody gets to see. You know, you owe it to yourself. You've you've worked hard to get to Washington. You've worked hard to get to Oregon. You've worked hard to get to the Canadian border. You owe it to yourself to have those experiences, I feel. Drink in the beauty. Where can people find you if they want to ask you questions or follow your continuing adventures or even uh, check out your PCT adventure? Sure, yeah. Um, So I'm most active on Instagram and YouTube. So my Instagram, and my Instagram is just my name. So it's Carol L. Coyne. So C-A-R-O-L-L-C-O-Y-N-E. And um, I also have my trail name on there. It's Cheer. And on YouTube, um, you can follow me. I actually documented every week I was on the trail on YouTube. So you can search CC on the trail. So to see CC on the trail on YouTube and you'll find me. And I do a lot of like gear videos too. Um, I was very gear focused. So if you guys um, are interested in, in gear, definitely check out the YouTube channel because I do go into that pretty, pretty in depth. You break um, it down? Yeah. Yes, I do break it down by, I have like systems. So I'll break it down by like my outer system for my outer pack and then like my medical system and my food system and all that. So I have like a little method to my madness, I guess. So I do, <laughs> I do go into that. Um, and yeah, and if anybody has any questions, um, hit me up on Instagram. I do something called, I actually started this hashtag because I was getting a lot of questions about um, hiking the PCT specifically. And so I decided to create a hashtag called, um, it's hashtag through truth. And I answer one question a week using this hashtag um, based off of what people are asking me. Because I figure if one person's asking me about this, I think multiple people will want to know. So Yeah. DM me with your questions or comment on um, any of my photos and I'll get back to you with a personal message uh, to answer your question. And I'll also um, uh, post weekly and eventually we'll include your questions so other people can see the answers. <laughs> so hopefully that's helpful. That was, that was my main priority to be helpful for future hikers with my Instagram and my YouTube. So definitely uh, give me a shout if you guys have questions. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure if I'm any indication, people have questions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me. I had so much part of the reason why I did this too was um when I was prepping for the PCT, I had so many questions. Like, what do you do with your food at night? Like, I don't know what through hikers do. Do they hang their food? Like what? So I ended up doing a lot of research online, like nine months worth of research online. And then I also reached out to some people who I knew hiked the trail. So I actually um, went to high school with someone who is a triple crowner, uh, the prodigy. Um, I think I I listened to um, you interviewed him and that was a great interview. So yeah, um, I went to high school with him. So I reached out to him to ask him like my most burning questions. So he really helped me out a lot. (laughs) And then um, I also went to REI and asked, Hey, has anybody hiked the PCT here? And so one woman actually did. And so I met with her and she did a personal outfitting with me and she was so helpful too. So I really like had to pull from different places 
to find answers that I needed. So yeah, if, if, if anybody has questions, please let me be your resource, message me and I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Yeah. I just want to help. <laughs> so. And I probably have the same exact question that everybody has, which is what in the end, at the end of the day, what will this mean? What changes will this cause? Right. You know, it's funny you say that. I don't know how much more time you have. I don't want to take up your time. So maybe like a couple more minutes. Is that, is that okay? Absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. So I, I thought that I would have so many answers once I was done with the trail. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was telling this to somebody um, who was also hiking um, in Big Bear. We were at the laundromat together and his name's Ju- his trail name's Jukebox. Anyway, so I was telling him like, yeah, I feel like I'm going to figure everything out when I'm done with the trail or I'm going to have a lot of things figure out, figured out. And he, he was like, Carol, you're going to have a lot more questions when you're done versus answers. And I found that to be totally true. And that's just me. But yeah, maybe be a little prepared for that. Be a little prepared. Like I feel like a totally different person and my thought processes are so different now that I'm off trail and that I've had those experiences. So yeah, I'd say just be prepared for more questions than answers. (laughs) Sounds weird now, but uh, no. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not a, a ton of people have that experience, but I know I remember he said that to me. And now that I've done over 2,300 miles, I found what he said to be true. So, yeah, it's very interesting that that realization of wow, I didn't really get anything figured out, did I? <laughs> more questions now, but it's not a bad thing. It's actually a great thing because I feel like I'm a lot more open-minded now than I used to be. So very, very um, excited to follow you through your journey and see how that, how that works out for you. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you, um, are you hiking alone? Or are you going with somebody? Um, I am hiking solo. Okay, cool. Cool. But as we all know, the, you are as solo as you decide to be. When exactly. You get out there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's a choose your own adventure and the trail will provide what, what, what you need, what you need. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be an adventure for sure. So (laughs) that's like, I know that there's probably somewhere in the English vocabulary, a better word, but that seems to be the simplest one. Right. And it's so hard when people say, Oh, how was your, how was it? It's like, Oh, I, there's no, there are no words. There are no words for the experiences that I had. There are no words for the experiences my trail family had for what we did. But uh, I wish there was. I wish there was. I'm surprised that the through hiking community hasn't come up with one yet. I know. I know. There's all these like, oh, I'm Sobo, I'm Novo, Pink Blaze. Like, there's all these, mm-hmm. you know, sayings. But there's nothing to sum up the experience. Yeah. So we're we're stuck with the English language <laughs> to try <laughs> to try to explain it.
Show notes and links for Carol's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Carol for sharing her stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and ready for whatever's next. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>